Hi, uh, Troy Beaujolais, CEO of Atha Energy. Um, Atha Energy is an exploration and development company focused on uranium exploration across Canada's three uh, best uranium jurisdictions. Troy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first of all, about a spoken, uh, we did manage to have a little chat before we, we, we kicked off here. But for everyone else, why don't you start and give us a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, I'm Troy. Bo so background on myself, I'm a, I'm a geologist. Came up through the uranium space uh, in in Saskatchewan. Came up through Chemical Corporation, uh, exploration geologist. Uh, moved over, transitioned over to operations. Um, at that point in time, Chemical was operating uh, two uranium mines in the basin. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to be the chief geologist at one of them at uh, at Eagle Point. Uh, from that point, I, I had the chance to move over and join Next Gen Energy in the development of the Rip One project. Um, there as the Vice President of Project Development, Operations, Exploration and Community um, on what is um, a world-class uh, uranium project in the Athabasca Basin. Right. And we, we are going to talk about a second about uh, 92 Energy, Latitude, I'm sure ISO, Next Gen, etc. Um, but it's always important for us to try and understand, you know, what the big plan is here. So what you obviously listed, what, over a year ago now? And uh, just what, under, yeah. April 11th, yeah. April, April. Okay. So... But what was the big idea then, and has that changed any? Yeah, the big idea then was, hey, um, Atha was Atha is a company that had a dominant land position in the Athabasca Basin. So over the course of about 10 years, um, two of probably the mo some of the most successful generative uh, stage uh, individuals in the Athabasca Basin put together an, an extremely large land package, 3.4 million acres, um, got together with a very strong capital markets team um, and raised, you know, up to that point in time with the point of listing, uh, raised over $42 million in support of that land package with the idea and the thesis of exploring at scale um, in in what our view is the best uranium jurisdiction in the world. Um, and, and so that got us up to the point of, uh, of ATHA of listing. Um, and then, you know, from that point in time, ultimately, ATHA is a platform that represents a growth, you know, a growth platform in the uranium space. Um, and, and that growth mat was, you know, intended to come in three ways. Um, one was through uh, investing in our very large exploration package in the Athabasca Basin. Uh, the second kind of platform there was um, and is uh, exposure to next-gen energy and ISO energies exploration programs through a 10% carried interest. And then getting to the crux of your question, the, the third one was uh, looking at M&A opportunities um, and acquisition opportunities in the uranium space and growing through acquisition. Well, it, you see, this is the thing that interests me is in terms of, we've seen a few different business models in terms of the consolidation play or the M&A play uh, over the past, I guess, three years actually in, in the space. You, you've kind of surrounded the Athabasca Basin with your, with your properties. You know, 3.4 million uh, acres is a lot of land. It's also a lot of liability, right? In the sense that you've got to do something with this stuff. And so what what, what are your thoughts around how does this get financed? You raised 42 million bucks, and obviously with the, the merger of the other, like the energy and uh, latitude, you've raised it, you've got opportunities to raise a little bit more, but you'll burn through that in terms, unless you're very careful. So what's the kind of... Um, What's, what's the idea in terms of how you keep this thing financed, you know, ongoing? That, that's part of the strength of Atha, okay? And when you look at when you look at um, what we were able to do in early December with the announcements of the two acquisitions, proposed acquisitions, 92 Energy and uh, Latitude Uranium, uh, we also did a concurrent raise. And on a pro forma basis, um, we're looking at a balance sheet of around $65 million, okay? But, you know, to, the, to your point, um, 
you know, it's interesting. You think of exploration property, both in terms of assets and then liability. They're, they're two sides to the same coin. And I would say that um, five years ago, um, six years ago in a uranium market like that, um, this would have been a very difficult strategy to be able to execute on. Uh, where we're at right now it, okay, is we've invested heavily uh, in maturing our assets, maturing our exploration assets. Um, that's, you know, what, what we did in 2023 is um, we, we, commenced, kicked off and executed the largest ever uh, multi-platform EM survey across the Athabasca Basin. And, and the strategy there was two-pronged. Okay? Uh, first part of the strategy is one, it, it's geared towards target generation, um, generating a significantly large portfolio of exploration targets uh, across the Athabasca Basin, across this land position. Um, then in turn, um, that also provides us an opportunity to be selective in the projects that we're going to work ourselves. Um, and then also provides opportunities uh, for others to um, that are looking for entry points into the Athabasca Basin, into the uranium space to participate in, in, in this market. Um, so it's a two-pronged strategy, two-pronged approach as it relates to our early stage generative exploration projects. Okay, I, I, okay, you, 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 you've done that. Sorry, large, largest done um, in the Athabasca Basin, but you and you know targets and anomalies don't necessarily have not recently equated to value attribution by the markets. Now, um, your price in terms of spot price certainly, and and, and probably following quickly behind will be you know contract price. Will 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 help, but as a, effectively a explorer, you know that that's because I, I I'm not seeing too many development projects and you know, no no production uh, or some near term production projects either. Is that is that right? You're going to be an explorer, pure play. Yeah, we we are we we are an yeah. explorer, and, and you look at you you look at our profile on a pro forma basis. Okay, you look at Atha's profile on a pro forma basis, and adding in um, the latitude uranium. Uh, assets uh, and primarily Angulac, uh, and then as well the 92 energy assets. Okay, and, and I'll, I'll maybe take a step back and, and walk you through our assessment criteria that got us to the point um, that uh, uh, of of reaching out and making the acquisitions, the proposed acquisitions. Okay, so you, you think about our profile: uh, large large scale explorer, uh, built and structured to explore at scale. Uh, the dominantly early stage exploration projects and generative stage exploration projects, which in my mind, um, it, as a technical guy, represent some of the largest opportunities in exploration it is to explore on early stage ground and be the first pass explorers on that ground. Okay. But having said that, um, evaluation criteria, looking for opportunities to mature ourselves along an exploration risk curve. Okay, so fundamentally looking at opportunities to acquire uh, resource stage projects, i.e. Angulac, LUR, um, and post-discovery stage projects, i.e. Uh, 92 Energy and the GMZ zone. Okay, so you look at the profile that we have now, and we have the largest by far, we have over 7 million acres on a performer basis of exploration property across three jurisdictions across Canada. Uh, we have post-discovery projects, and that is, uh, you know, predominantly the GMZ project with significant upside potential in my perspective. Um, and then we also are backstopped then by Angulac, which is a 43.3 million pound historic resource at an average grade of 0.69%, which is one of the highest grade resources outside of the Athabasca Basin. Um, and, and so investing, exploring along the entirety of that exploration risk curve, which in our view then represents 
the highest exploration exposure uh, in, in terms of one company across um, the entirety of the sector. Right. But what have you got to do? Is, is it literally that the cash will set these projects free? Because if I look at Latitude, that, you know, Angular, let's say 40, what is it, 42, 43 million pounds, right? Um, picked up from Valor or Discovery Group. Um, it was not getting the value. It was getting <laughs> attributed 12, 14 million bucks of value. They'd raised 5 million just before you announced the the, the, the deal. But is, is it purely your money that's going to set this thing free? Is it the market that's going to set that thing free? And so for, for in terms of you being able to get more value for exactly the same asset, which people were valuing at quite a low, low figure, for it, just in that use case. Yeah, it... it- Matt, I, b- I believe it's a combination of all three. Oh, well, the, both of the things that you mentioned, um, as well as um, a view on the technical aspects of the project and the expandability. So one of the key criteria that we were looking at um, was not only what I've went through in the past and looking for post-discovery and resource base, but also a significant amount of uh, upside and asymmetry within those projects. And I'll, I'll explain how we see that at Angulac. So Angulac, the LAC 50 deposit, okay, maiden resource came out on that project. It was uh, 14 million pounds. One year of drilling, that resource in- increase in size and scale to 27 million pounds, that historic resource. Another year of drilling, 43.3 million pounds. Okay, And that's in addition to the targets that we see both in terms of the, w- within the footprint of that zone of mineralization, that deposit itself. And so when you look at the combination of having in the hands of a company that is very well financed, that has the ability to systematically and progressively move that forward and expand that resource in a uranium market that we're merging into and seeing. Um, and all three of those things, I think, uh, equate to the ability to re-rate the valuation of that project um, and move it forward while we are um, seeking to materially expand that resource. Right. Okay. And obviously, we but talk about 92 Energy, um, Sean Lancaster's um, company and, and Gemini there. Are you seeing exactly the same opportunity there? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, I, I've spent, I spent a significant amount of time exploring in the basin, uh, particularly on the Rabbit Lake trend. Um, and that's right from Rabbit Lake through to the Collins Bay deposits in Eagle Point. Okay. And what struck me when I, toured site when I saw the core, when I walked through the core, the similarities between the GMZ zone um, and the Rabbit Lake deposit and the Rabbit Lake trend, okay? Both in terms of style of alteration, mineralization, geology, lithology, et cetera. Um, and what we see there is the opportunity to continue to expand the GMZ zone, which Siobhan and the 92 Energy team have done a great job in discovering and defining, uh, expand that zone of mineralization, but also um, explore along that trend there are very few basement hosted uh you know uranium trends in the athabasca basin particularly along the edge of the basin the two that stick out to me are two that I have a lot of experience and that's the rabbit lake trend and that's a patterson lake corridor uh, and you know my view our view technically is that uh this rab or the the gmz corridor is very similar uh with multiple characteristics multiple attributes to the Rabbit Lake corridor. And so that that's the opportunity that we see there, Matt. Okay, interesting, interesting. And, and then and this deal thing that's kind of happens when kind of, you know, we'll call you superstars. When Super X Camico team kind of get get together, superstars, when they get, when they, <laughs> sorry, that's it. Um, but when you kind of start something up, people get excited. They perhaps run, run ahead of themselves. Expectations are high. You've been able to raise capital in the market. That's all kind of good news. And that's kind of based on reputation before you've done anything. Are you, again, 
you seem to be talking the language of people who want to do something. You're not playing the market. You want, you actually want to do something here. So, what what do you what are you going to point people to um, that's important for you and your strategy that they should value? Yeah, maybe more than some of the other things, such as hype and superbly. Yeah, um, it a hundred percent. What we, we we intend to do real things in this market, and, and I guess you backstop that with. I believe this is the best. You know, we talked about this a bit before we started. I, I think this is the best uranium market, at, certainly that I've ever seen. Okay, and, and so the time to invest um, and advance uh, in, in across an exploration risk spectrum and across an exploration risk curve um, is it's a great time. It's a great time to be doing that. It's a great time to be expanding resources. It's a great time to be doing um, advanced exploration along a post-discovery corridor. But then at the same time, it's also, you know, it, it, the timing I believe is right to continue to build up a really large platform and portfolio of Greenfield's exploration targets that have the potential for material discovery. Um, and, and so, you know, over the next 12 months, that's going to be our focus. Our, our focus is going to be on expanding Angulac, expanding uh, mineralization there, and expanding that historic resource. Um, it's going to be investing in GMZ. It's going to be drilling along that corridor. Uh, and thirdly, it, it's going to be continuing to invest in our portfolio and our pipeline of Greenfields targets um, with the objective of you know, defining tier one targets within the largest land positions within the best uranium jurisdictions in the world and testing those targets. Um, and historically, what that leads to is material discoveries, Matt. It, you know, you look at the history of the basin from, you know, Key Lake through to uh, Rabbit Lake uh, and the exploration at scale that happened there um, in the, you know, 70s through the 80s led to material discoveries. More recently, uh, the Patterson Lake Corridor, uh, first one's in there, Alpha, uh, followed by Next Gen, Vision, et cetera. Um, you know, that's, uh, th those, that's part of the basin where no one... Uh, historically viewed as being highly potential for uranium mineralization, and there's nearly 500 million pounds on the books there. Um, and so it's a multi-pronged um, exploration uh, approach in the near term, but um, continuing to, you know, look to add value through the strategy that I talked about on the onset. Um, that's investing in our exploration assets. That's exposure to next gen exploration program through a carried interest. Um, and we remain focused on looking at uh, the industry opportunistically. Um, and if we see value creative opportunities, we'll continue to pursue those. Right. And when you look at some of the other consolidation plays in the sector, which is a very small space, a very, very small space within you know, the natural resources sector, right? You know, it's, it's tiny. Uranium is tiny within mining. Um, you know, let alone kind of globally in terms of investors looking in at this thing. It, there's been a bit of M&A over the last two, three years. When you look at some of the models deployed there or employed there, do you, I mean, I hope it all works. We need all the uranium we can get. So it's all good. So I'm not going to point fingers at anyone. But um, do you think there are models out there that perhaps are going to wane or they're going to, there's going to need to be more M&A to kind of keep the kind of interest um, in those companies or in maybe even the sector more, more broadly because it does need scale um, versus your model, which is right, we're going to, we're exploration, we're going to develop these assets along, the, you know, these discoveries uh, along, we are going to um, it make more discoveries, we are going to, but it's a kind of very long road you're describing, right? So you've got a bunch of money now, you are going to burn through that, that's the name, that's what you've got to do, you've got to spend it, drill, et cetera. But we're going to keep coming to market and raise raise capital. Do you think that's a sort of a sustainable model in this space? 
Is it, is there a longer term uh, game here, which is, well, someone will take us out? I mean, or do you get this thing over the line? You, you a lot of ex Kamiko guys and people who've like, you know, not just made discoveries, but, you know, been involved with production. So where, where are you coming out it from? It's an interesting question with a, with a bit of a nuanced answer, I think, right? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll address the first part of it first. And, and that is, um, you know, the, the ability to explore and then continue to raise capital and continue to explore. And, and that comes down to, in, in our view, uh, deploying risk capital appropriately. Um, and, and that's the business we're in. Uh, exploration is a business. Pri- our, my primary job is um, how do we deploy risk capital intelligently to uh, in a value accretive way? Okay, and that, that's where we're looking at investing along that exploration risk curve, um, investing more heavily in our mature assets, uh, and then more disciplined um, as it relates to the generative stage assets. And in a market like this, you know that 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 becomes value accretive for shareholders, right? And, and so it's looking for a return on that investment as we put it into the ground. Um, and, and then in terms of how how this thing goes over time, um, uranium is one of those unique. Uh, you, you mentioned it's a bit of a unique smaller market, and it truly is, right? Um, but you look at the incredible amount of value accretion that you, companies have in this sector. You know, I, I go, I, I spend a lot of years at Next Gen Energy. They've, they have, in my mind, what what is a you know globally uh, a top tier asset globally amongst any commodity, right? Um, but they went from discovery through to where they're at right now, and I think if you back the cash out, have um, have accrued over uh, $4 billion in enterprise value for shareholders. Okay? And, and so the opportunity in the uranium space to go from discovery through to advanced, advanced stage, uh, development stage projects, and with the potential to go into production is, is a real path in the uranium space, probably more so than it is in other commodities. But with that being said, you know there it, it's uh, um, at every stage, you step back, you assess, um, and, and you, you make decisions that are in the best interest of your shareholders. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's a bit of a nuanced answer and it's, it's not intended to be, a no, hear you. but, but, but yeah. it does go multiple directions and you can't, I think it's flawed to sit, sit at this stage and say, we have one particular model or another one. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 I hear you, but it, you know, I got to ask the question. So, um, and if I, but I think if you look at sort of Kamiko back in the day, you know, first mover, uh, you know, and it, it, there were different times. I mean, if it kind of feels like a very different market now and different sets of conditions precedent on companies and it was the way they behave the way they advance and not not i'm not talking about just pure admin but i'm also talking about the time frames which they've got to get used to um and and the the way the way that they go about building their companies as well so do you think that's an, an inhibitor or for companies who have genuine intent it, that's not going to be an issue yeah I, I think it's a i think it's a big opportunity uh, quite frankly, you know, I, I think it's a tremendous opportunity in this market. I, I think it has changed, and I think the the long term outlook in the uranium space right now um, is it, the, again. I think the fundamentals are stronger than I've ever seen them, right? Um, and as a function of that, the ability to um, take advantage of the position we're in right now, uh, continue to grow, continue to build up our asset base, and continue to uh, build a company around that. Um, is uh, uh, sorry, I just had a call come in there. It, investors, investors, yeah, That's exactly. More money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, um, it, hey, the the platform that we built up, 
is directly in line with the strategy that we're deploying. Uh, we have the intention of being a real player in the cycle in the uranium space. I guess it's a short story. Okay. And, and, and do you think? Do you think? It, um, obviously, we need to find where was it incentive price. Most companies talk about, you know, and that incentive price seems to change on a, da- a daily basis. It's getting higher and higher. Maybe it's stopping incentive price more. It's is that moving into kind of greed? Say, so, well, how much more can we get if we delay production? If we delay talk of. T- uh, production maybe maybe the price will 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 move and drive to you know unseen levels um and, and maybe that's what the driver is but do you think therefore all companies will ultimately succeed because the the price in terms of that supply demand gap and and, and all of those drivers is going to allow all companies to be able to do what what they want to do again partly because the market's such a small space but also because the the, the demand is so huge coming forward yeah I, I think to a certain extent um you know a uh, a rising commodity price will positively impact um the, the sector in general right um but there there will be different degrees of success w- within that scenario um and you know the I, I, I believe companies that um, are intending to do real things um, with the commodity price increase and, and and deploy dollars in a real way to advance projects within the cycle um, will obviously have more success than, uh, than than companies that aren't set up and positioned that way. That's interesting. Can I flip that? Okay. Are you also saying that perhaps not all companies, despite whatever the price is, are destined to succeed. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, the, I, I guess that comes down to the definition of success, right? And and uh, but no, certainly well, get into production should be the answer yeah. to definition of success. But obviously, we're yeah. going to be talking about you know that it's public market, so you know, yeah, growth in that sense is success to many people. But for me, it's will all companies get into production be able to produce. Or there'll no. be other factors at work, such as lack of skill and experience of, of, of people to be able uh, to do so. Absolutely, skill experience comes is a material and major factor. Uh, it, it obviously stems off an asset base, right? And, and you know, just because you have an asset base doesn't mean that you have the ability to move things forward in a material way. Um, you know, we're, we're we're a team that's fortunate in that we have um, both capital market strength and technical strength. Uh, you know, our um, the capital market strength, I think, is self-evident um, in the in the fact that we've been able to raise the capital we have to date, um, and you know our ability to do so moving forward, I, I believe, is really strong. Uh, from a technical perspective, um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to work kind of integrated through the through the space from early stage exploration right through to producing assets right through to development stage projects, etc. And I know know the space very well, as does our team. Um, and so our ability then to move assets forward in a material way in the cycle um, is, is something that we're focused on. Right. Okay. And then I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up now because I know you've got places to be. But um, if I if I look at, you, you've got a great valuation for you know how new you are. So obviously people like the plan. Um, with regards to that kind of, if we can, if you don't mind looking at shareholder register and the, and even the kind of corporate side of the business, he's. Who are the people who are in this? What is it? What should that tell us about um, their belief in your ability to kind of move this forward? Yeah. So we look at um, we look at Atha um, on uh, let, let's say on listening. Okay. Um, 
raising the capital that we raised up until that point. Uh, we raised $33 million, 33.7 at a dollar. Um, that was done across um, eight names, as across two family offices and uh, six institutions. Um, then going into the capital raise that we did concurrently with uh, w- with the announcement of the proposed acquisitions, uh, that was backstopped by ISO Energy uh, and Mag Energy, two you know two significantly experienced names in the uranium space, uh, both of whom I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, and then coming up to uh, the flow through portion of that raise, um, it was done across three names um, and uh, three three names that you would want uh, on your register. Um, and so. You know, the, the, the people that are involved um, in the story, the people that have been investing in the company to date um, are serious about the uranium space. They're serious investors. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're fortunate. Uh, we're fortunate they, to have them on our registry. Um, and, you know, I believe it sets us up extremely well moving forward. Well, Troy, that's a nice first pass at um, what you're doing and why you've done it. Um, so appreciate time today. Um, We'll hopefully speak again soon and, um, you know, like I say, do stay in touch with us, okay? Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, Matt.